0: Year, the Brazilian surf band Wood Surfers released their self titled album, and that's what we're listening to right now on this episode of Monster Kid Radio. This is episode 422 of the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. The song that you're hearing right now is called Branca. I'm probably mispronouncing that, it is the fourth track. On the album, Wood Surfers, and I dig it. Uh, the entire album's great. But this is one of my favorite songs on the album. And they gave us the okay to play their song here on the show this week. Welcome to Monster Kid Radio. Welcome to uh, Monster Kid Radio Potpourri, a, a collection, a cornucopia. Just kind of a random show. Well, not really random. I, I know what I'm doing, but it, it's not a traditional show. We don't have like one movie we're talking about. You know, we are kind of catching our breath after spending some time in the ring last month. Greg De Mayo, and we just want to kind of get our bearings before we take off for Monster Bash here in a few weeks. Oh boy, it is coming up, and while I can't wait, I'm also kind of freaking out, and we'll talk a little bit about that later on in the show. During the feedback section, yeah, we're doing feedback. We are doing a big chunk of listener feedback because my wife Brenda was able to join us this time around, and we caught up on a number of emails and her voicemail that's been sitting here for a little while. So that's a big chunk of the show. And because it's me and Brenda, we do tend to go a little off topic sometimes and talk a little bit about what's going on with us. But, you know, overall, it's listener feedback. Now, that's not the only thing you're going to get here. I wanted to make sure there was some actual movie discussion in this episode of Monster Kid Radio, and and there is. Now, first of all, as I'll mention during that feedback discussion... I've been going through a lot of my SD cards and just kind of cleaning things up, getting things ready for the bash. And I found an old recording that never made it to the show. I believe this was recorded last summer at the Oregon Museum of Science and Industry. They were doing a science fiction film festival and one of the films they were showing was the original War of the Worlds. And I went and I was joined by Chris McMillan, Dominic Lamsey, and David Heath. Now, David has appeared on the show since then in episodes covering the hp lovecraft film festival and he was in the inaugural episode the very first episode of the plan nine by nine podcast which has now launched make sure you go to plan nine by 9com to check that out but at the time of this recording i don't think he'd ever been on the show so i introduced him as such and then Dominique and chris you know they're old favorites do the four of us consider war of the world's an old favorite well you're just gonna have to listen to find out Another recording that hasn't made its appearance on the podcast yet is a little more recent. I don't think it's more than a couple of months old. There was a Weird Wednesday, a screening at the Joy Cinema here in Tigard, Oregon, of the movie Curse of the Crying Woman. This was a movie that I'd never seen before, so I was really excited to check it out. And Dominic Lambsies was there to kind of say I told you so. Also, Jeff Pullier, who normally does the Weird Wednesday reports, he was there as well. And we talk a little bit about Curse of the Crying Woman. Now, we have some of our regular segments as well. Of course, we've got Professor Frenzy's Bedtime Story and Kenny's Look at the Magazine, Famous Monsters of Filmland. And then the promos and the trailers and everything else that we do here on this show. It's going to be a fun show as we clear the decks and get ready for what this summer is going to bring. We'll go ahead and get to it right after this.
1: I, 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 what are you looking for
2: under a tombstone at broad daylight? Shh! You'll scare her away. Scare her away? Who? What? What, what? what can you scare away here in a cemetery? My ghoul friend. She's the ghost in the invisible bikini. <coughs> what are you, putting me on? Herbie, I know you're broad-minded, but this is ridiculous. No, I'm serious. And you should see her since she traded her bedsheet for a bikini. Well, you must enjoy looking around for a real nothing broad. It's really just that American International is inviting everyone out to the graveyard for a blood curdling blast with The Ghost in the Invisible Bikini to see Tommy Kirk, Deborah Wally, Aaron Kincaid, Harvey Lembeck, and Jesse White with Nancy Sinatra, and guest stars Basil Rathbone, Boris Karloff, and Susan Hart in The Ghost in the Invisible Bikini in Path 8 Color and Panavision. Now you would have to get commercial. Now you scared her away. <laughs>
3: heard black clock audio tales is a daily podcast that reads you a story either a whole short story or a novel a chapter or two at a time join us for our exploration of old ghost stories supernatural fiction horror tales folk tales fantasy gothic horror weird fiction and cosmic horror And don't forget to join us for our monthly show about the Cthulhu mythos at the end of the month. Black Clock Audio on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Black Clock Audio Tales. Part of darkmyths.org. Thank you. Ah, thank you. I've been standing there for centuries. (laughs) Yes, I suppose it seemed... Why, it's raining, but you're not wet. No, I'm not, am I? Uh, where are you coming from? I was watching a wonderfully terrifying double feature movie. I was a teenage Frankenstein in Blood of Dracula. Oh! Professor Frankenstein created a teenage monster to bring havoc and terror to all who meet him, but he left a few parts out, particularly in the poor lad's face. And may we change and the And the vampire in Blood of Dracula, quite unfriendly, except when hungry, than any friend will do for a few ghastly moments. Please, I... Oh, here's where I must leave you. But there's nothing here but an old cemetery. Yes, I know. I want to meet some old friends here after you see i was a teenage frankenstein and blood of dracula you might drop back here we'll discuss the pictures to some length yes yes i'll do that
2: <laughs> the smog monster spewing its poisonous venom over the earth only one force dared stand up to its overpowering evil godzilla see godzilla versus the smog monsters Two monsters battling for the domination of the Earth. Godzilla vs. the Smog Monster. An American international pictures release in color rated G. Godzilla versus the Smog Monster. The battle for life on Earth.
4: Professor Fransay, it's a show. 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 Welcome to Professor Frenzy's Bedtime Stories, created especially for Monster Kid Radio. My name is Jerry Green. In this segment, I am going to tell you a chilling tale from EC's horror comics. Today's story is The Man Who Was Death. It is from The Crypt of Terror number 17, the April-May issue from 1950. Crypt of Terror was the precursor to Tales from the Crypt. It was written by Bill Gaines and Al Feldstein, and the art was by Bill Fracchio, who did a lot of work for Charlton Comics back in the day. So sit back, relax, while I tell this electrifying tale. Edgar Bowman loved to kill people. Luckily for him, he was the chief executioner at the state prison, where there was no shortage of opportunities for him to pursue his hobby. Over and over, sobbing inmates would be brought to the electric chair. Edgar would strap them in, put on the steel cap, and pull the switch, all with a terrifying efficiency. When you like your work, it shows. Edgar got so good at his job, he was famous in incarceration professional circles. He would often be invited to perform the honors in other states' executions where the method of death was maybe the gas chamber or maybe the gallows. Edgar proved to be versatile. He always performed the task with distinction. He sneered and shook his head at the sniveling cowards they brought before him. If they didn't want to meet their doom, they shouldn't have done the crime. I'm scared. I don't want to die. (laughs) Then calamity struck. The crime rate fell. There were fewer and fewer murderers to be executed. To make matters worse, juries began finding accused killers innocent. Edgar thought, surely these juries were freeing the guilty. This could not stand. These murderers must be brought to justice. If the legal system wouldn't do their job, Edgar would have to. As to his methods, he would stick to what he knew electricity. One dark night, Edgar electrified the fence around the home of one recently exonerated man. When the man came home from work, he touched his gate and was fried. Another innocent man met a sizzling, I mean similar, end in his electrified shower. Edgar dropped a power line on a third man, frying him as well. The police noticed this pattern of recently exonerated people being accidentally electrocuted. They decided to keep a stealthy eye on one Betty Bates, who was recently found innocent of murder. One night, Edgar watched Betty as she walked through the dark park alone. He had rigged a pool of water with electricity. He planned to leap out of the bushes in the dark and push her into the water. But as he emerged from the brush, a flash of lightning, electricity in the sky, exposed him to the police on Betty's trail. The cops leapt out of their hiding place and captured Edgar. Months later, Edgar was brought to the electric chair himself. I'm scared. I don't want to (laughs) die. The end. I hope you like that vicious little story. Overall, this tale was very satisfying. Edgar was a nasty piece of work, and got what was coming to him in true EC Comics fashion. You could see his fate approaching, bit by bit, but it was fun to watch it unfold. The art was hit and miss. Head shapes and human anatomy sometimes went awry. Faces were mostly oversimplified, which I imagine was a good choice. Edgar's depiction, though inconsistent, was the most effective. He was a bald man with a big head, almost like an alien. Sometimes he would be shown with red, crazy eyes, other times as kind of a goofy Lex Luthor. But the most effective was when his face was shown partly in shadows. Then he looked terrifying. In one panel, he's shown walking with an olive overcoat and fedora with not guilty text scattered in the background in all different fonts and sizes. The hat casts a shadow over one eye and part of his face. The other visible eye glares forward with madness. In another panel, he's in the same coat, bareheaded, in the rain, looking behind him at his victim's coat and hat, which are illuminated by the streetlight. The shadows on Edgar's face make him look creepy and skeletal, a gorgeous little work of art. If you're interested in a copy of Tales from the Crypt Volume 1, the book can be purchased on Amazon, and you can find a link to buy it on the MKR website. I hope you enjoyed the story. My name is Jerry Green and you can find me on my podcast, The Professor Frenzy Show, where we talk about new indie comics and Bat Books for Beginners, where we talk about historical Batman and Bat Family comics. You can also catch me on Twitter at Professor Frenzy and search for Professor Frenzy on YouTube, where you can find The Professor Frenzy Show and some exciting projects we have coming up. Stay tuned. Professor Frantz, it's a show. Professor Frantz, it's a show. Professor Frantz, it's a show. Professor Frantz, a
1: From Planet 13. Come in, come in, in, come in, in, in. to, to Marguerite mark- of, mark-
2: of 18 I'm
5: Living Nightmare,
2: Where Carlo Groom of Hollywood presents... Horror. For the first time on stage, the fourth dimension.
1: Can it be true that any volunteer will be decapitated with a meat cleaver?
2: See it, hear it, and actually feel it.
1: <laughs> Unbelievable, but true. Thirteen, fourteen, fifteen knives will be driven through the head of any unsuspecting person. If there is anyone left,
2: after the crawling thing from Planet 13 creeps over the audience, seeking fresh human blood.
1: Look out for the monsters, skeletons, and other creatures flying above you, running after you, to rip your flesh apart. Karakun, the master of horror, has more delicate acts lady godiva on a white horse drifting in midair for those who will embarrass easily blindfolds will be furnished free with peeking hold in case you pass out during this triple horror science mystery show that's tough (laughs) pleasant nightmares friends
6: Hi, this is Jeff Owens from the Classic Horrors Club. And I'm Richard Chamberlain from kccinephile.com and monstermoviekid.wordpress.com. We'd like to invite you to attend the next monthly meeting of the Classic Horrors Club on the Phantom Podcast Network. We think you'll enjoy our show, but don't take our word for it. Let's ask some of our listeners what they think. Excuse me, sir. What did you say after listening to the Classic Horrors Club podcast?
2: I'll never smile
6: again. Wow, that's a little mean. How about you, sir? Would you recommend the Classic Horrors Club podcast? It would be very dangerous, not only for you, but for others. Well, we do talk about classic horror, from silent screen to Halloween and everything scary in between, but I don't think I'd call it dangerous. I think that's enough from our listeners. I've always said we have the, uh, best fans. Why don't you give us a try yourselves? We meet once a month during the Classic Horrors Club podcast on the Phantom Podcast Network, found at downrightcreepy.com or at classichorrors.club. Oh, wait, here's one more listener walking his pet. What do you think of the Classic Horrors Club podcast? There's the stink of hell on this train. Even
3: the
7: dog knows it.
2: May I have your attention, please? I have been asked to explore the serious side of Alfred Hitchcock. Very likely, I suspect, because I am Alfred Hitchcock. I have chosen to do this through the following serious statement. I want you to see Psycho, a motion picture, exactly the way I originally made it, uncut, with every scene intact. Especially the famous shower bath scene, which the TV version did not dare show. This occurs 44 minutes from the start of Psycho. Watch for it. And remember, no one will be admitted to see Psycho except from the very beginning. I now leave you with this final serious message. Suggested for mature audiences.
6: Hey there, Monster Kid Radioheads. This is Kenny with a look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. Today I want to share part two of Famous Monsters and Me, entitled The Beginning of a Beautiful Friendship. I was entering into third grade in Eugene, Oregon. As the students gathered at the door to go into the classrooms, I noticed a guy with a magazine that had big letters I was familiar with Monsters. It was the same graphic that graced my prized possession, Famous Monsters 94. But it was on a different cover. A man is panicked as he is being choked by a disembodied hand. It was Famous Monsters 97, which featured the amicus classic Asylum on the cover. I realized I was not alone. I approached him and learned that his name was Dave, and he had a friend who had an FM too. His name was Craig. And that's where it started, a friendship that would last us through 8th grade till I moved to Pennsylvania." Craig had issue 95, and right away we shared our copies with one another, and we were monster kids together. We would make our own monster dramas with Dave as Frankenstein, Craig as Dracula, and I would be the wolfman. We rejoiced when cable came to town and we were able to watch Creature Features from Oakland, California with Bob Wilkins. May 11th, 1974 was my first Creature Features, with one of my all-time faves, Tarantula, followed by Curse of the Undead. Dave, Craig, and I were inseparable as we would go downtown to see the classic PG-70s horror and sci-fi films, all the time collecting famous monsters. There are too many memories to share here, but they were all great. We were Planet of the Apes fans, Star Trek fans, DC comic readers, and finally, Star Wars fans. All the while, our stack of famous monsters grew and grew and guided us to more and more fantastic films. My friend Dave later suffered a scooter accident and passed away young. But I still have contact with Craig, who is a monster kid still, living in Portland, Oregon. It was a great time and a wonderful friendship, and it all started because of Famous Monsters of Filmland. Next time I get a chance, I will share part three of Famous Monsters and Me, which will be entitled, "Fory and Me. We want to hear your Famous Monster memories, send them to Monster Kid Radio via audio or written file, and we will include them in this segment. How did Famous Monsters of Filmland change your life?
8: (laughs) The most terrifying
2: form of evil is that which lurks within the human mind. This is asylum (laughs) of the incurably insane. Asylum, the ultimate in horror. Asylum, the prison of madness, where few enter and none return. Asylum, filled with stark raving terror, from Robert Block, author of Psycho. See Asylum. You have nothing to lose, but your mind. Asylum, from Cinerama Releasing. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested.
9: Good evening, monster kids. This is The Count. I'm here with some friends to tell you about our favorite board and card game podcast. It's Go Forth and Game. Tom and Ryan talk about all things gaming with special emphasis on interviews with game designers and publishers. What do you think about this, my tall, gaunt friend? Go forth, game, good. And what about you, my undead comrade? I think Go forth and Game is the most entertaining podcast about board and card games that I've come across in 4,522 years. So, if you enjoy listening to 2 Monster Kids discuss topics like abstract games, the best family games, game schooling, various game mechanics, and, of course, monster-themed games. Then you should give GoForth and Game a try. That's GoForthAndGame.com, available on iTunes and Spotify.
1: We interrupt this program to bring you the following special announcement. The world's first horror head transplant has failed and five brain donors have died in the experiment. Now you can see it all at your local theater in Beast of Blood. And on the same show, Curse of the Vampires, both brand new in gory color. You'll see a mad fiend transplant human heads in the Cave of Horrors and encounter stunning, screaming, shocking terror as it lives. A monster's head detached from its body, causing savage and inhuman destruction. More fantastic than science, more shocking than fantasy, the creature without a head, controlled by an insane artificial brain. Beast of Blood. Don't miss Beast of Blood and Curse of the Vampires. Both rated GP.
2: This could be the beginning of the end for the human race. For what men first thought were meteors or the often ridiculed flying saucers, are in reality
1: the flaming vanguard of the invasion from Mars. Looks like they're gonna come out of that gully pretty soon. We'll have to rush our defenses to be ready when they do. Guggs need plenty of reinforcements. We'll get them. Lieutenant look they slash across country like scythes, wiping out everything that's trying to get away from them. That explains why communication is cut the moment their machines begin moving. Montreal's blacked out Nothing more has come through. Same thing that happened on the Pacific coast. Anything from them yet? No, Mr. Secretary. We've had nothing from San Francisco for over five hours. The nations of the world mobilize their armed might, rushing to defend the
2: Earth against the unknown weapons of the super race from the Red Planet. Is there nothing that can stop the Martian death machines? Guns, tanks, bombs. They're like toys against them. We know now that we can't beat their machines
1: got to be them all over the world human beings cower before the onslaught
2: of these unearthly enemies whom no one has ever seen <laughs> panic that sweeps around the globe as the great masses of mankind flee blindly in a headlong stampede of hysteria <laughs>
0: It's part of their sci-fi film fest here at OMSI, which I think they do every summer. They brought in the original, the the only one you really need to see, I think, The War of the Worlds from 53, I believe. Is that the year? 53. And I wasn't alone. This was a Monster Kid Radio crash. A couple of uh, people have been on the show, a listener. Uh, I'm just going to go around here. I'm going to start on this side because, well, there's a reason why. So, uh, David Heath, what did you think of the film?
8: I love it. This is the show that I grew up as the pre-Star Wars science fiction show for me. Uh, And I love just this huge, giant screen. I can imagine I'm back in 1950s, and and I'm in this convertible. And then, you know, the 70s, when I went to the movie theater, when my parents took me to kids. The one thing that I did not think went well in time is the female lead. Compared to, say, Ripley down the road, I just don't think she quite made it.
0: That's a valid point. And we were kind of talking about this on the way out, that – it's the 50s, so sometimes you have to accept that. But you're right. There's been so many movies since then, and, and even some movies of that era, which I'm sure Chris is going to mention here in a second, uh, that, that have you know, stronger female leads. So I, totally valid. Totally get that. Chris, what did you think?
10: Well, this is the first time in this theater, um, so I've never been in it. So now I know how I want my home entertainment room laid out. <laughs> because, wow, that's a nice screen. <laughs> I've seen this movie a lot it played on uh, KPTV Channel 12 here in Portland back when they were independently owned all the time but it's just so nice to see it on the big screen uh, uh, the effects look amazing even though with the digital transfer you kind of see the wires a little better but still it looks, looks gorgeous and yeah the movie you were talking about <laughs> when <laughs> talking about female leads thing from another world come on She's one heck of a lady in that movie.
0: <laughs> one heck of a lady. Okay. So here's the one that I really want to hear on the show because she's never seen the movie before. So this was a first time viewing and She saw it on the big screen, which I think is the best way to do it. Dominique Lampsey's, what did you think of the show? Uh, of the movie? Yeah, whatever. What would you think? Something.
5: Well, okay. I have to preface this by saying I'm not actually a sci-fi person. Okay. So it kind of took a little dragging for me to get to see this. But it was pretty good. Okay, first of all, the Martian was super cute. He was so cute. And he was so sad. Why would you throw things at him? He was so sad. Um, But what I really liked about this movie is actually the art direction because the use of color was astounding. You could always tell when something like weird was going to happen because it would get very dark and then colors would start to pop. And then it would go back to mundane and everything was like normal color. That was beautiful. I love the spaceships because apparently I'd seen them before. And like it's just one of those things; it's everywhere. The lead actor, he's kind of like that Australian guy who's in the Clash of the Titans movie. That he's just like blah. He's there. <laughs> I can't remember his name. I liked it. I liked it. It's not my typical cup of tea, but I did enjoy it.
0: You're more of a, a gothic horror person, you know. I mean, you, you've got a, a Hammer horror films bag here. With, with I
10: want to know where you got that. That is awesome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> did you make this?
5: No, I bought that. Ah. Redbubble.com has, like, just search for Peter Cushing. you will be a major way to find And speaking of Hammer, do you know what what would have made this film infinitely better?
0: Well, Peter Cushing.
5: Quater Mass. The whole time I'm thinking, oh, we need Quater Mass.
0: (laughs) Which Quater Mass, though? Don Levy or Cure?
5: Andrew Cure. Sorry.
0: Oh, come on now. Brian, I want Don Levy in there to tell everybody they're stupid. And then take over and be like, I'm science. You don't know. Yeah, anyway. But he wouldn't have gotten along with the church people, probably. Um, I I love seeing it on the big screen. I'd never seen it on the big screen before, like I said. I I was saying earlier, details that I've never seen or or picked up on before. The close-up of a car tire as they're trying to get out of town, and, and the tire was flat. I didn't realize it was flat until I saw it on the big screen. At the very beginning of the film, when we're doing the cruise for the galaxy and Cedric Hardwick is giving us a play-by-play of what's going on, we get the shot of the Earth, and I never noticed that the moon was actually visible in that shot, too. On this small screen, I've always just thought it was another star. You know, so there's, there's a lot of little things in here that I love seeing on the big screen, but, uh, yeah, the wires. Um, film is a little bit more forgiving. Uh, digital transfer and projection, not so much. I don't know if that means I want to see a special edition of this where they go in and take the wires out, but I don't know. I, I love the I love the uh, the flying saucers. well, not even flying saucers the the spaceships and the Martians were cool. Paul Blaisdell did those, and Blaisdell is uh, a low budget guy, you know. But he he did a lot of stuff for Roger Corman, a lot of stuff for AIP.
10: Didn't they have problems with the Martian suit? They had to do some. There was some problem that they. I think I remember. I think it was the DVD commentary. There was a problem with the Martian suit got ruined, so they had to something up overnight, which is why you always saw the thing from the front and <laughs> running backwards when it was running away. Do you remember anything about that?
0: While I'm editing this later, I'm sure I will. Okay. But right now, I, I, don't, I don't remember.
8: I'll try to look it up. And that kind of did remind me of the shark in Jaws and probably the same situation, that, that, that less is better. Mm-hmm.
10: Now, in defense of the people throwing things at the Martians, let's not forget they did kind of death ray a whole lot of people <laughs> beforehand. So, you know, little forgiveness there,
5: I think. Okay. Dolphin theory, if it's cute, it doesn't matter. It needs to be saved. <laughs> How do I argue with that? <laughs>
0: I'm a film score guy and to see this film in a theater setting and it's not quite IMAX anymore. I don't know what they call it, the Omni Max or something, but it sounded cool, but I guess I'm either forgot or or didn't remember that... I guess that's the same thing. I forgot that when the Martians are going through all the cities, there's no music. The only soundtrack is them making waste of everything. So the sound effects over and over and over again. It kind of got a little unnerving there for me for a little while because I'm I'm so keyed into the music. I'm like, where's the music? This is almost too much, you know, which I'm sure was the
8: point. The same, I'm expecting credits after the movie, like after Star Wars, and it just stops. Well,
0: oh, and that's something else I noticed too on the big screen. The opening credits. Just how big and in your face and the way they were flashing and all oh, that. Yeah. I just, I loved it. I You don't see that much anymore. Well, I don't, but I, don't, I thought it was pretty cool.
10: I did notice one thing on the film score, I don't know if you picked up on it, when the Martians hit, well, okay, spoilers, we win. Um... <laughs> <laughs> But when the Martian's hand is crawling out of the spaceship and the you know you see the veins popping, which came out really looking nice yeah. on the big screen, the soundtrack had that beat that slowed down the mm-hmm. whole time until it finally stopped as the thing changed colors and the Martian died. I hadn't noticed that till then. I, I started probably because of hanging out with you. I'm paying more attention to film <laughs> scores, and I'm like, wow, that's a really nice
0: touch. I did like that as well. And you're right. Yeah, it looked great just hmm, really cool to see the detail and the little sucker fingers it kind of looked like wilted flowers as it was dying mm-hmm. it, was, it was wonderful really good you said something about the male lead yeah little little whatever i liked Anne robinson for what she was she did have the freak out moment like you said and there have been stronger female leads uh lester was the other guy when he was the uh, military guy when he was the general oh yeah he was great i loved having him mm-hmm. I, I like him a lot um I want to ask you specifically, because of, of us here, you've published. You're a right, writer. All, all of this kind of creative stuff, but you're a writer. You've published. The story of War of the Worlds, does it have a Deus Ex Machina kind of vibe to you where we just kind of wait around until something else fixes it for us?
5: Okay. War of the Worlds isn't something I have a lot of experience with, but I will say about this version, yes. Okay. This version was very much... Oh, it's a miracle it's god we have god everything's great because of god and i'm guessing that's kind of the point because i think in the other george powell movies that's kind of been a theme too so i don't know if he was like religious or something but yeah that was that was super easy i saw it coming i'm like oh something stupid is gonna happen and it's gonna kill the aliens and oh there it
8: is yeah, so to be
10: fair that is in Wells's novel too oh. it's it's oh. the ori- it's the ending and
8: in 1890, when he wrote the book, that would be a shocking, brilliant twist. Mm-hmm. Now it is sort of, yeah, we win. We didn't have to do anything. We won. But in 1890, that was brilliant.
0: That, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, you think about the source material. I Maybe mean, here we are defending 50s women, but you're right. 1890s literature it probably was right at home or, or had the twist. Like you said, it was shocking.
8: I don't think anybody has thought of that before him.
0: Yeah, it's not a knock on the movie, I mean, or at all, yeah. I mean, or, or the story. I mean, I'm familiar with War of the Worlds, and you said you're not overly familiar with it. Have you seen any other adaptations or heard the radio presentation or anything like that?
5: The Orson Welles one.
0: Compared to the Orson Welles, what did you think?
5: Yeah, I like the Orson Welles better, because okay. Orson Welles is a magician. Sure. So, and this was good, and it was nice to be visual, but also having this, the audio version where you can make your own pictures that'll freak you out, for me, that works a little better, so
0: experience with uh, different experience with the War of the Worlds compared to this one
10: well I mean I I, I, I like both the radio drama and this one I mean I, I judge them as two separate things because it's it's two different mediums and they're both really well done for what they are um the remake uh, Spielberg and Cruise uh, okay well let's not go there um <laughs> I'm I'm just I'm not a fan of that one. I mean it's got great special effects, but that's about all to me it had going for it. This one really managed to hammer home how futile our fight was against the creatures really well. And Yeah, there's the central focus of the of the movie couple, but it seemed this 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 version covers the world better.
8: You yeah. know. So Listening to Orson Welles, just like here, I'm in this convertible, I'm you know at my grandfather's radio and don't know what's going on and think it's true. <laughs> I love H. D. Wells. Could not get through the Cruise movie, but what I'd like to throw out though is the '80s War of the World yes. TV show. Oh, yes. that's right. That I love. and 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 there was this hokiness or something, but it always related. The invasion is real. We just forgot it. And I loved that TV show, at least the first year. The second year, I kind of it off.
0: Well, Ann Robinson's in the first few episodes of that show too. Yeah. I mean, it's actually a continuation of this pretty much. Yes. Uh, I do remember watching that as a kid. That was uh, in first-run TV when I was
8: younger. And
0: yeah, I, rem- I remember loving that. And there was a Native American character who was like the, the military guy, and, and like, that, that was awesome. Days
8: in the desert where the guards yes. got dragged off by the aliens. Yes. And the aliens were inside human bodies, and they would pop out their arms. <laughs>
10: oh, yeah. I remember that.
0: Uh, this, for me, is, is the superior film version. I mean, I you mentioned Spielberg. And, you know, it's Spielberg doing his Spielbergian thing. And I like Spielberg, but, eh, you yeah. know. And when that movie came out, we had seen so many end-of-the-world type movies. You know, Independence Day had come and gone, I think. Oh, and yeah. So we, we'd seen a lot of devastation. Whereas the 1950s movie, I think this one really pulled off. The the desperateness, the desolation, um, and kind of the fascination with the A-bomb. Was that you giggling when they went to the shot of everybody on the hill watching? that was
5: me. That was me. Okay. (laughs) Well, first of all, did anybody else get a hardcore Cold War vibe here? Oh, yeah. Really? The bomb's going to solve everything, right? But also, (laughs) (laughs) because the thing is, like, looking at it now, because especially for me... I'm watching this movie and I'm going, when are the zombies coming? Because this is like a zombie movie without the zombies. <laughs> yeah. They basically yeah. made The Walking Dead here before like Kirkman even thought of it. Because it's the same thing. We're watching things fall apart. Everybody's turning on each other. Mm-hmm. But, well, I'm not going to go down that road. But, yeah. <laughs> so, this, I mean, for this time, I don't know, again, I don't know the book or anything. But this kind of situation, especially the way they handled it in this movie, was probably pretty, like, scary and revolutionary because we get it every two seconds now but how many other movies were doing this back in the 50s
10: not at the scale no and it was nice to see them not go to i mean not go to stock footage of a bomb dropping they kind of did their own nuclear explosion mock-up you see a lot of movies during the 50s not this day and age but during the 50s they use stock footage for the military and it's almost like padding it's like okay we're gonna pad this up by showing some cool jets and stuff this one didn't do that It used the stock footage, but it was there for a reason, and it was as brief as possible to get across the point that, hey, the military's here, you know, and that's all you need to see, and let's get back to the action.
8: Also, did you notice that they have this defense shield, but they never use the word shield? It's pre Star Trek, they don't call them shields. And that, I didn't know, I never noticed that before.
0: I've been watching a lot of classic tracks lately. I've been kind of just mainlining it. And, yeah, no, you absolutely are. I was like, it's it's the deflector shield. Just say what... No, those protective blisters. I'm like, well, that's a good way to put it. Sure, I, I like that. in the death ray, no phasers or lasers or anything like that. So I did like that, too, that kind of 50 sci-fi vibe. I, I love that stuff. But, I mean, people probably would expect me to because I produce a show called Monster Kid Radio. <laughs> so, but, um, overall, I'm super stoked that I got a chance to see it, uh, to see it with somebody who'd never seen it before, who, who's walking out with a smile on her face, which is awesome, mm-hmm. um, you know, with, with some friends and listeners, and, and that's just awesome. Any other final thoughts about War of the Worlds? I'll start on this side this time with Dominic.
5: Death Rays are cool. <laughs> <laughs> I want one. Well, well yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
10: Who doesn't? (laughs) Um, But if I could have a car horn, if that honked the death ray sound, my life would be complete.
0: I would make that a ringtone now. That's what I want to do.
8: (laughs) That'll work too. And and I love that it's OMSI. You're surrounded with science. And even though in the beginning they're, they're talking about Jupiter being a solid planet and we know it's gas now, we know the science is off, just this... Science setting for science fiction is just a perfect venue.
10: That does bring up one question. Um, during the opening bit where they're talking about ha- inhabiting all the planets, why'd they skip Venus? Didn't you, did you notice that? They uh, yeah. went straight from Jupiter right to Mercury and then back to Earth. And it's like, did they not call Venus a planet like they're doing to Pluto now? I mean, what? So I, I wonder if that had something to do with maybe they thought it was habitable at that time. But it was just,
8: I kind of realized, oh, yeah, they. I remember that, and I just never figured out why. I, I was wondering if maybe there was some sort of Venus woman planet movie that was coming out at the same time or that, something. I, that could be, too.
0: I have to go back and check. maybe check the original source. Maybe something in the novel will clue us into that. Yeah. Know, but you're right. You know They did skip Venus. They went straight from, they hopped over Earth, Mercury, back to Earth, and the little moon, which I never saw before. Right there on the screen, which was cool. That recording from the Oregon Museum of Science and Industry, the screening of War of the Worlds, took place a while back. And why Dominique has not made a t-shirt with the phrase, death rays are cool, on it by now, I, have, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on, but Dominique... Got to get on that. I, I, I'd wear that t-shirt. But you know what? Tell you what. Why don't you and I get together and we'll put something in the Monster Kid Radio T Public store. That that would be a good place for it. And just go to tpublic.com and look at Monster Kid Radio. We've got a handful of t-shirt designs there. And I, I think a uh, Death Razor cool t-shirt would be right at home alongside these other MKR style and branded t-shirts. I did not mean for this to become an ad read. Uh, let's get back to War of the Worlds and something that was brought up. We were talking about Dominique. Speaking of Dominique. She really is more gothic than sci-fi, which I love about her because she loves this stuff more so than me, even. I'm always learning stuff from her. And she introduced me to a gothic Mexican film called Curse of the Crying Woman.
2: She spread terror because she thirsted for power in the Curse of the Crying Woman. See nightmare after nightmare in the most terrifying picture ever to be shown. See the horror of her evil curses come to reality in the curse of the crying woman. See a fight to the death with a vampire. See terrifying werewolves in their search. For blood, for the most terrifying experience of your life, see the curse of the crying woman.
0: So I told Dominique before this movie started that it better be good because uh, I'd never seen it before. Uh, So what do you have to say for yourself, Dominique?
5: I'm right, aren't I?
0: You are very right. Yeah. uh You are very, Uh very right.
5: I know. (laughs) I know.
0: This movie was awesome. Uh Uh-huh. Wow.
5: Uh-huh.
0: Now, I don't know anything about it, the movie itself. I don't know anything about the background. Is this based on a real folklore? Is is that a real legend? In uh, a La
5: Llorona is a real legend, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm guessing he actually showed this because there's that Blumhouse movie, I think it is, that's coming out soon. Mm-hmm. which is It's called Curse of the Llorona. Okay. But, yeah, it's it's a legend that comes from pretty much everywhere, like, central... America, like Mexico down to like Panama, thereabouts. Basically, there's a lot of variations of it, but basically there's a woman who for some reason decides to get revenge on her husband and she drowns her two children, which is obviously not a good thing. So (laughs) uh, when she dies, she's cursed to wander bodies of water, basically crying. Kind of a boogeyman story so that kids don't go near the water unattended, but also, A warning to mothers, like, pay attention to your kids, because usually she strikes in your bodies of water and she kills children. Didn't really get
11: that from this movie.
5: No, you don't really get that from most versions of this legend, either.
11: Uh, So that other voice you heard was
0: Jeff, the man who calls in the Weird Wednesday report. Since we're at Weird Wednesday, Jeff is here. This first time viewing for you? Yes. And what did you think?
11: I thought it was terrific, also. Uh, It was excellently filmed. The uh, score was terrific. Oh, I loved the music. Uh, I super enjoyed the performances. Mm -hmm. I... I thought the uh, the actor playing Jaime looked really familiar, so I looked it up, and he was the villain in The Brainiac.
5: That actor's name is actually Abel Salazar. Um, he was the hero in El Vampiro and El Atu del Vampiro, The Vampire's Coffin.
0: Now you're just showing off saying all these Mexican <laughs> names. I know, right? Yeah.
5: I know, right? Um, but also, he ended up being a big producer of most of these Mexican fantastic movies.
0: Yeah, uh, Salazar was also involved in a lot of the Luchador monster mm-hmm. movies. Uh, produced a lot of those so
5: he did mostly kind of hoary stuff yep. so
0: i agree with jeff uh and Dominic, who's nodding furiously when he talks about the score the performances i loved the look this kind of low budget mexican gothic thing going on
11: it didn't look low budget though
0: well some of the shots outside you could tell i'm assuming it was a set or a soundstage mm-hmm. but they were very um well done and very large soundstages because i mean they had a horse and buggy. I mean, come on. You know, moving around. But, you know, they had the, the telltale signs of a low-budget situation like that with the, the background kind of just being a black sheet, mm-hmm. which is fine because later in the movie when we have those eyes, you got to have the sheet to... Br- and that was probably one of the coolest shots I've ever seen in a movie like this. It was... Dominique's just smiling again. Yeah.
5: I'm not gonna say I told you so, but no, you can... oh, no.
11: do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it.
0: Do
5: it. Do I totally told you so. <laughs> I totally told you so.
0: No, this one was fun. Uh, I'm so glad that he showed it, despite it being, you know, subtitled, uh, which he typically doesn't do on Weird Wednesday. Really enjoyed how it looked. I Really liked how it sounded. The performances are great. Yeah, a few things here and there that, you know, I did chuckle a little bit, like the indestructible Jaime, uh, who could right. take a take a licking, but he keeps on ticking downstairs two-by-fours, just yep. everything. But, you know, I'm glad he was there. The fight scene at the end, uh, you can definitely see Salazar's uh, interest in luchador. A movie yep. starting to surface here. Um, <laughs> man, what else? Uh, just, I really okay, dug it. Okay, did you
5: guys, there should have been two really solid strains from older works that you guys should have recognized in this movie.
11: Are, are you referring to plot or score? Plot. Uh, well, honestly, the, uh, it did seem to have some parallels to the Brainiac in that the uh, the corpse or corpse-ish in the basement was someone that was executed and uh, they're wrecking vengeance on the descendants of the people that killed her. Yeah. So definite tie-in there. What else am I missing?
5: Okay. Follow the House of Usher this is a big one.
11: I thought there was some Poe in there. Yeah.
5: Black Sunday. This is Mexican Black Sunday.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All over. Oh, yeah. Oh,
5: so much Black Sunday gone.
0: Uh, I haven't been to a Weird Wednesday in a long time. I'm glad I came. Uh, overall, I really dug the movie. Is this something that's readily available? Yeah. Do you know? Dominique shaking her head. No, which is great for podcasting. Um, <laughs> you hear it rattling? What's that?
11: You couldn't hear it rattling? Oh, boy. <laughs> love you, Dominique.
5: <laughs> I love you, too, Joe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. Uh, no, I really dug it. Uh, I think the, the, the women, uh, the actresses, I don't know much about them. Are they?
5: Well, um, the main woman, Amelia, that was Rosita Arenas. She's in a ton, bunch of stuff. She was in uh, Robot vs. Yes Mummy. She was in my personal favorites, The Witch's Mirror. Okay. And she was just one of those hot girls that they put in all the movies.
11: She was also very good actress. She was, she was doing very well.
5: Absolutely, absolutely. Aunt Selma, I don't know who that was. I feel like I should, because, yeah, she was awesome.
4: Um, Very creepy.
11: Oh, yes.
0: Uh, Speaking of creepy, the the eye makeup? What? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was really cool. Um, I don't know if I quite got it, like what it was supposed to be, but it looked really neat. Do you have any... Thoughts on that or insight on that?
5: I don't exactly know, but I'm guessing it has something to do with the fact that she draws her powers from darkness and yeah. the eyes are the window to the soul and her soul would have been...
0: Black? Yeah. <laughs>
11: <laughs> That's what I was getting from it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. The opening, where he gets the horse and wagon to run over the... Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs>
5: yep.
0: <laughs> um, and, and nice use of a Frankenstein-style <laughs> boot Never. on... One, yeah, so that he can gimp around a little bit, you know, just one mm-hmm. though, just one with lifts, yeah. So, I yeah. liked that. I liked the makeup effects overall. Uh, the optical effects were kind of cool, the creepy lighting at the end that was really
5: well done.
0: Model work, uh, I'm trying to think of this movie's pretty much got it all. I mean, yeah, why haven't I seen this before, Dominic?
5: I don't know, Derek. Why haven't you seen this
0: before? Why haven't you made me watch it before, Dominic? <laughs>
5: no. It's, it's almost like I recommend these movies to you and you deliberately choose not to see them. That's
0: not
11: true.
5: That is okay.
11: There's only so many hours of the day for I a monster. I will give you game. that one, yeah. I,
0: I don't deliberately choose not to watch them. I just, oh boy. <laughs> you recommend movies I can't get my hands on is the problem.
5: Actually, I will give you that one. I do, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that Japanese one. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm.
5: It's okay. You'll uh, thank me when you find it.
0: Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, anything else about the movie before we wrap up?
11: Just something I noticed that would never pass in today's uh, today's movie-making world, those dogs were clearly emaciated. I think they starved the dogs for the production. For the
5: horses. The horses were yeah. too.
11: That would not fly in modern Hollywood or whatever the Mexican equivalent is.
0: That's something that you sometimes see in some of these older movies. The, the welfare of the animals weren't necessarily... Uh, high up on the food no, chain. No, they were a
11: priority. I so just, I hope they were taken care of afterwards.
0: Just did a, a recording this morning, in fact, and I was telling Dominique about this, about Santo and the Vengeance of the Mummy. And in that film, Santo fights a panther, I guess? And it's a real panther, and at one point, Santo does grab it by the neck and hold it up and throw it aside, and it's, it's hard to watch, especially now for me as an animal lover. It's really hard for me to watch. That said, it is part of the history. And, you know, it's, it's there. To ignore it is to disrespect the history of it. it.
11: Everybody involved in this movie is long since dead. So,
0: yeah, it's I mean, you know, it is it, what it is. We're,
11: we're crying over spilled milk, but it, it was kind of sad to see because that part was not special effects.
0: No, uh, no, no. So we brought it down. Let's yeah. bring it back up before we sign off. Favorite part of the movie.
5: Okay. My favorite part of the movie and something we haven't talked about now because one of the reasons I really, really love this movie is the gender swap power dynamic. Okay. Because the main character is completely obsessed with power. It's a female. She's not getting a man. She doesn't want to be rich. She's like, no, I want to be omnipotent. Make me omnipotent. And she acts just like a crazy, rich occult dude in any of these other movies. And she's got a hunchback. And she's got a crazy dude in the tower. And that's all it is. She's just, I just want to be powerful. And you'll notice that... Jaime, the husband, spends the whole time getting beat up and tied up like a
0: chick. Yeah,
11: uh, (laughs) Amelia, uh, his his wife, Mm -hmm. rescues the heck out of him more than once. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So he does get a fight scene, you know, towards the end with Juan, but uh, for the most part, it's Amelia that's doing the saving. So your favorite part? You know, I really liked when Amelia was running away, and she thinks she finds someone to give her a ride, and then she starts giving in to the darkness. And that was the corruption that was going into her. The actress did such a good job portraying that. And it was a really moving part. Like, okay, how far is she going to go down? You know, Can she control this at all? Uh, so it was a little disturbing and very well done.
0: That's where I was too. I think that's probably my favorite uh, part was her um, transition from... Being scared and dealing with it and then it starts happening to her and she has to, I want to say man up, but that doesn't sound right. Um, I mean, but she, you know, puts her hair up and squares up, you know. She, she has to do her thing and, and fight the darkness. And that journey that she takes and that, that balancing act, I really enjoyed. I love when she turns and the eye makeup thing happens with her. Uh, and I love when she's out in the woods and the eyes go across the back and. Uh, The way she's lit at the end when she's fighting, pulling the spear out and all that. Just my favorite part is is probably And
11: then she yeah, pulling the spear out and then she shoves it back in because she's not giving to the dark side. She makes the
0: decision. She has the agency here. I
11: mean, this is Luke in the Emperor's throne room. (laughs) He's defeated Vader, and now he throws down the lightsaber. (laughs) Not turning to the dark side.
0: No, I am a Jedi, like my father before me.
11: Yes, Amelia is. Amelia the Jedi. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you mentioned it in the, the Witch's Mirror. Is that one I need to track down and watch? Yes. Okay, I'll, I'll watch it Are soon. I to help
11: him? Actually, I
5: can. I have the DVD. I'll give I, it to you. Okay. I, I,
0: I still have some of the recordings that I found while going through these SD cards. You'll hear them down the line. I think I'm going to sit on them until, well, later this year. Big thanks to Jeff Punkrock Martin for always bringing in an awesome movie for Weird Wednesday. I don't think I've seen a movie at Weird Wednesday that I didn't like. And that's probably because I've always skipped every screening of fun in balloon land. But every time I go there, I have a good time, whether it's a movie that I'm aware of or familiar with or not. Curse of the crying woman, definitely one of my favorite films that I've seen this year. And yeah, Dominique, you were right. You were right. Big thanks to Dominique and Jeff Polier for being part of the weird Wednesday recording. And then earlier, of course, big thanks to Dominique and then Chris McMillan and David Heath for being part of the war of the worlds recording. (music)
1: Vampires. Werewolves. Zombies.
11: Yes, these things are real, but fortunately for those of us who can afford him, so is Mark Temple.
4: And he's good. Real good. He's a former FBI agent turned
1: freelancer with the knowledge and skills to eliminate your monster problems, and his rates are negotiable.
11: Monster Hunter for Hire, the first volume of The Supernatural Solutions, The Mark Temple Case Files, is now available in both ebook and paperback. Go to tinyurl.com slash monsterhuntertemple to buy your copy of Derek M. Cook's latest book.
1: Read about Mark Temple, the experienced professional now available to rid you of your supernatural, ghoulish, and monstrous pests.
11: That's tinyurl.com slash monsterhuntertemple. And don't worry,
1: Mark Temple is discreet.
2: Now, creatures from the grave battle each other to see who or what will be left. See all the remains in War of the Undead, a super triple shock treat starring your favorite ghastly ghouls. See the Prince of Vampires fight the King of Monsters in Dracula vs. Frankenstein. And watch the maddest werewolf alive slash vampires to pieces in Frankenstein's Bloody Terror. And of course, see vampires slaughter savage cavemen in Horror of the Blood Monsters. It's Triple Terror, three times the thrills, torments, and tortures as bloodthirsty demons meet in the massacre of the century. Don't miss the greatest triple shocker of all. It's Dracula versus Frankenstein, Frankenstein's bloody terror and Horror of the Blood Monsters all in one super show. It's war, war of the undead in blood-drenched color rated pg ladies and gentlemen here is an important message from jack
1: h harris producer of 4d man imagine a check for one million dollars being made out to you in my new film you will see 4d man perform feats never seen on the screen before and if you any one of you listening to me can actually perform in real life the feats ascribed to 4d man one million dollars in cash will be yours your admission ticket to see 4D Man in widescreen and color may be worth $1 million. 4D Man is the most amazing motion picture ever made. The story of one man who solved the mystery
2: of the fourth dimension. Even in this century of wonders, when science holds nothing to be impossible, you'll gasp in awe at the feats of the 4D Man. In color, to thrill you as never before, 4D Man. <laughs>
0: We haven't done one of these on the show in quite some time it's been a little while since we've actually done an honest to goodness feedback section on the show and that's mostly brenda's fault what <laughs> what are you talking about no it's just we haven't uh, had a lot of feedback and then when i put the call out for feedback saying that that's how we would get you back to the show yeah we got a bunch of emails or a handful of emails and then i didn't put you on the show <laughs>
12: So you're a liar. No, I, um... Something came up, right? We were going to do this earlier. Oh, because you wanted to do, like... What do you call this kind of episode?
0: I'm calling it the Monster Kid Radio. Potpourri. Potpourri. Smorgasbord. Sure. Of
12: a variety.
0: Yeah, a cornucopia. Potluck. A potluck. <laughs> I'm trying to find one of those words that I can monsterfy, but none of them are... Co- potluck potluckenstein doesn't work. <laughs> um... Yeah, we called it end. a
12: potlatch when I was growing up. Hmm. Can you pot potlatch? No. <laughs> pot bad guy gonna latch onto you.
0: It's a real stretch. <laughs> it's a real stretch. Now I wanted to, you know, have these for this potpourri episode. This uh, this cornucopia of stuff, plus health stuff. Mm. Sometimes. The past few weeks things have been kind of iffy with uh your rheumatoid arthritis and it's just feeling good so it's been a thing it's a thing but it's what happens this time of year so we have you on the show now which is awesome uh what have you been up to in the past month and a half or so
12: work <laughs> i don't know what have i been up to in the last month and a half i'm gonna out you
0: you play a lot of the sims
12: i finally got sims 4 because it was on a huge sale like three months ago and then i dove in
0: yep and i bring it up because two of the three characters are horror monster themed (laughs) it's true You, you want to tell them about the first one we created we made frankenstein you can actually have a green skin character in The Sims.
12: Actually, we made Frankenstein's monster.
0: Yeah. Oh, look oh. at you. His oh. last name is Monster. You are so not sleeping on the couch tonight.
12: His first name is Frank. I think his middle name is Mon.
0: And Mon- then you put star for the end. There. Yeah. yeah. When we created the character, I was kind of helping out. We made him green. And we did the best that we could to find, like, a hairstyle that was, like, flat top. Right. didn't really have it. They don't have the bolts for the neck or whatever. But, you know, we did the best we could.
12: Yeah. My favorite thing about him is he's just a jolly good guy who's a four-star celebrity at this point because he does a lot of vlogging. And they're always nice vlogs. He doesn't do any rants. He does, like, cooking with Frank. And I call it Frank's Frankly Fresh Reviews or Frankly Fresh Cooking. (laughs) So he's a four-star celebrity.
0: There's another character. Yes. That I I thought, you know what? I want to get in on this Sims action, you know, whatever. I'll give it a shot. So I went and I created a character and called him Howard Phillips. Yes. Is that right? Wait. No. Howard P. It's Lovecraft. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's Howard Phillips. Yeah, because I didn't put the name Lovecraft in there. No. And I got the palest skin guy that we could find. And put him in a suit, and and did the best that I could to make him look Lovecraftian. Yes. Then I got frustrated with the game and walked away. But Brenda took over the character and incorporated him into put her him household in my
12: family. Yep. Yes. And originally he lived in a separate little room on the lot, and he was an author, and he became a really great author. We didn't have the famous stuff before now, <laughs> <laughs> so he's a really great author. But then I, he decided he wanted to be a vampire. So now he's a vampire. <laughs> and being a vampire, like the only way that I can easily satisfy his thirst is to make him charm people, compel them into letting him drink. And so now he has a terrible reputation. He is disliked far and wide. And so I said, well, I guess he can be a criminal too. <laughs> So now he's the brains of the criminal operation who goes around and sucks everybody's blood and writes best sellers in his spare time.
0: It's pretty awesome. And even though we made him all like pasty pale, whatever, Lovecraft at the beginning, when he's vampired out, which I think is how he is pretty much permanently anymore, right? Well, you, you haven't turned him back.
12: You have two options of how he can be. I just leave him in permanent vampire mode
0: he's got this cool little like van dyke facial hair thing and this hat and his skin's all dark he's wearing a snazzy suit no his skin's light is it still light i thought it had a little bit of a tan
12: no it has like black veins
0: or Uh, whatever very very uh emo a little bit is he emo? maybe a little emo like he has feelings now
12: (laughs) (laughs) well anyways his life went a little awry
0: Has the Scarecrow come back? Oh, yes, yes. Okay, good. Patchy. Is that his name? Yes, his name is
12: Patchy. He's also a celebrity. I'm not sure how, but every once in a while, Howard drinks Patchy's plasma.
0: But he's a Scarecrow. I know. (laughs)
12: But Howard really likes how his blood or his (laughs) plasma tastes.
0: So the Scarecrow, Brenda had put uh, a Scarecrow up in the yard. Yeah. And would go out and talk to it every once in a while. And just one day it decided to come down and start walking into the house and having a drink.
12: Yes, it's a mixologist. Patchy just comes in and makes a bunch of drinks at my bar.
0: (laughs) I wish there was a way to stream or capture this Xbox One Sims game and put it out on YouTube or something. Just because it's it's hilarious. (laughs) It's hilarious.
12: Oh, wait. Now Frankenstein's monster, by the way, or just called Frank he is a secret agent
0: oh that's right
12: yeah so he walks out in snazzy suits every day goes to work totally unnoticeable with his green
0: skin and (laughs) nobody would suspect him no no like why would they put somebody like that in charge of his uh, there uh... we go yeah you know meanwhile howard's out there committing crimes (laughs) they're all roomies (laughs) they're
6: all roomies yes
0: (laughs) so that's what you've been doing yeah and you know the basic stuff Yes, yeah. like breathing. Yeah. Very important. Update on the cats, which we haven't really talked too much about. Everybody's still here. Everybody's still plugging along. Right. Uh, Sam is living her best life.
12: Yes, we think at one point she had yet another tiny stroke. Yeah. She was having a hard time walking and having the weird eye thing.
0: But, I mean, it's Samantha doing her thing.
12: Cuddling up and yep. giving kisses and cleaning the other kitty, Moki. Yep
0: clean and smoke, and then Wednesday... uh, Who just meowed. You probably won't hear it because of the microphone setup I have right now.
12: Hi. How you doing? Yeah. You living your best life?
0: How you doing? See, she doesn't talk back to me.
12: Because you can't roll your R's Uh, to make the purr.
0: Don't show off. (laughs) If it is able to be heard on this recording, I'll make sure people can hear the, the meow. Or the Yeah. Yeah. So we have feedback. Why don't we get to what we're actually doing here? I want to start with a voicemail. Wait, what have you been doing for the last two months? Everybody knows. I've been podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> and freaking out and getting ready for Monster Bash, which I want to talk about because it does come up in some of the emails. Oh, okay. As we get to it.
12: And also working on something multiple things that you have to have done before Monster Lots Nash. of
0: things. So it's less than three weeks now, and I'm freaking out.
12: Yes. Wait, are you freaking out? I
0: am freaking out! <laughs> Alright, so let's play this voicemail. This came in a while back, and I've just been sitting on it because we never did a feedback thing. So, it's a few weeks old. Here we go.
7: Hey, Derek. Eric Miles here. Just uh, leaving you a quick voice message. First and foremost, I totally by accident, I was looking through your episodes, your older episodes, And I noticed that episode one with uh, Chris McMillan, when you named your top three monster movies, that was released May 27th, 2013. So tomorrow, that means it will be six years. So happy sixth birthday, sixth birthday for uh, Monster Kid Radio. It's definitely my favorite podcast, so keep it up. You're doing a great job. I'm loving the luchador movies that you've been talking about the last few weeks and very engaging. I've only seen which one did I see? I can't remember I've only seen one of them, but i need a I need to get on top of that and listening to these episodes has um okay really got me going, so I'll do that also um I'm really excited for the uh, monster movie Madness on the Facebook group. I commented how I submitted my choices, and Steve turek immediately <laughs> on that, and he was asking me what my choices were, and he said three of the four I picked were at the time at the lead. So um of course he wanted to know um if I voted for Godzilla, I did, but no I also voted for Creature. So I'm curious what the one that isn't winning, but uh the one that I voted for is, I don't know. We'll see. So anyway, keep it up. Once again, happy birthday to Monster Kid Radio. Uh year 6 and um here's to many many more years of Monster Kid Radio, hopefully. All right, take care, Derek. Thanks for all you do.
0: Wow. Well, thanks, Eric, for calling in and actually pointing that out. I you're, s- you're six years old now. I, I, you know, in, I think in podcasting years that means I'm legal. <laughs> I can maybe vote, maybe run for president or rent a car. I don't know if you can do any of those things. In podcasting years? Ah. Uh, I mean, it's different, right? Is it about time for you to pod fade? No. Well, I already did that with Place. Um <laughs>
12: <laughs> You've picked other podcasts to pod fade. Oh,
0: man. It's okay. I feel bad about 1951 Downplay, But anyway. You
12: have to be able to get things done. And yeah. you put too much creative on your plate. And I need you to focus on things that might... Make money. M- yeah yeah <laughs> I don't even work full-time I can't yeah. and
0: yeah and I've had some challenges lately in the health department I, I'm having a lot of foot and leg issues which makes it hard mm. for me to get around and I'm hesitant to try to find like outside work because of that and yeah anyway yeah but you the whole thing
12: you have other things that yes true do that earn money so mm-hmm. people might like 1951 down place but I am glad that you have made room for other things
0: so uh six years I didn't realize that I actually whenever somebody asked me and I think even the bash last year when I accepted the 40 I was like I've been doing this for like four years or whatever I don't know so I kind of (laughs) lost track so wow
12: and Um, how many years before that did you did we do MOZ
0: I've been podcasting for over a decade now (gasps) you're so old I know I'm podcasting years I'm like 75 (laughs) that's certainly old enough to run for president right Sure. Of the AARP, maybe.
12: Of AARP. No. <laughs> like, what's the podcast equivalent?
0: Uh, uh, um,
12: I don't want you to be president. I guess it's probably an unpaying job, and you got other things you got to do. That's true. I but... love you. I support you. However. <laughs>
0: wow. <laughs> uh, but thanks for calling in, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, now I expect belated birthday cards from everybody. No. What? No, I don't. Not really. <laughs> People are supporting you like crazy. That they are. Which no birthday we'll cards are needed. Which we'll get to.
12: Hey, should I do one of the things I'm here to do?
0: You're sitting there looking pretty in front of my computer. Good enough for me. But people want to hear you speak. Whatever.
12: Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. 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 I recently came across your wonderful broadcasts after a Facebook post from Ron Adams advertising the latest round of the Monster Movie Madness Tournament. I listened to your most recent broadcast and found a page that had about 15 previous broadcasts listed, and I listened to a few of those. I'm wondering if there is a page link that would have a larger number of your previous broadcasts. Thanks for all you do in brightening the days of monster kids like me, Matthew.
0: So I just emailed him back. Uh, I I should have emailed you back sooner. I'm sorry I made you wait. Uh, But most of, if not all of the episodes, should be available at monsterkidradio.net. I suspect that when Ron shares links to various episodes, he's sharing the link to the Libsyn page. Libsyn is our podcast Uh. host. And sometimes you have to dig or they even don't even list really, really old episodes, but monsterkidradio.net will have links to everything. So it's all there. And does iTunes have your full library? So iTunes is gone. Gone now already? Uh, Pretty much. I don't quite know what's going to happen next.
12: Wait, so you, there isn't, I thought that they were shutting down iTunes in the future.
0: I don't know where it's at. I don't use iTunes to download most of my podcasts anymore. Right. So I don't know. But I would think that most podcast directories that bring in Monster Kid Radio will be able to find the older episodes. So what's a good podcatcher? I don't have an iPhone. Uh, I know that Apple is going to have an Apple Podcasts app. Right. They may already do. I I don't know because I don't have the iPhone, but that's what you would use there. On my phone, which is an Android, I use an app called Beyond Pod. Mm. We're also on Stitcher, which is an app you can get as well. And I think we're on maybe TuneIn? I, I, there are a handful of podcast directories that I didn't ever submit myself to, but they semi-regularly go out and find all the feeds and put it into their directory. And some Facebook groups are like, well, how dare they you want to you know, you know, podcast which should have control over their feeds. I'm, I, I don't care, man. As long as nobody's making money off of my feeds that I'm not getting, put it in any podcast directory you want. I want people to be able to hear the show. Okay. Alright, all
12: right. so I wonder though so maybe the easiest would be the .net that you
0: offered, yeah, monsterkidradio.net Go straight there because there's always going to be a place for you to download the MP3 or stream it from the website. It's all there, man. There are also quite a few of the Monster Kid Radio back catalog episodes on the YouTube channel. They show up as videos, but it's just a still image of the cover art and then the audio of the episode, so you can also listen to it there. Yeah. And if you do, please consider subscribing and liking the video.
12: <laughs> oh, man, you're starting to sound like a,
0: a YouTuber. I'm trying to become one is the issue. <laughs> are you? I'd like to, but I'm, I've am i been slow to get some things going. Yeah. Things are going to happen differently after Monster Bash.
12: Are they? Boy, you have a lot of those points in your life where you say that.
0: I know. Everything's
12: going to be different after.
0: I know. I know. It's okay. <sighs> Goals. Yes, I'm, I'm evolving. I'm growing up and stuff. Are you? Cause no. you're six now? <laughs> yes. I'm I'm six year old, I'm a big boy now. Okay. I don't know what that was. Why don't we go to the next email? <laughs> okay. Hi, Derek. Hey.
12: I just finished listening to the Santo versus Blue Demon in Atlantis episode and thought I'd pitch in my two cents worth of flickering light on the movie credits outing Blue Demon's real name, debacle. I remember being a little upset by this, too, when I watched the movie a few years ago. If memory serves, though, the man credited for playing the Blue Demon is not Blue Demon himself, but his old tag team partner, more commonly known as the Black Shadow, a luchador who had previously lost his mask to El Santo, and whose name, therefore, already had been outed to the public. The reason for the swapping of masks and players was due to Blue getting injured in one of his matches prior to the filming of the movie, which made him unable to star in it himself. From what I recall though, I think the message board where I found this information was discussing whether or not this really was the movie with the substitute demon, citing that it looked a lot like the real man. They were suggesting that maybe, due to the fast-paced rate the studios were churning these movies out at the time, someone got the casting list confused with another movie where the Black Shadow actually did play the Blue Demon. This might just all be speculation, though there. Not sure if this clears anything up, or if I'm completely off. Just further muddying the water with misinformation. (laughs) Thanks for not skimping on the mayo and keeping the month-long celebration of the world's greatest movie genre going for yet another year. Dropkicks and lots of love. El Demonio...
0: This is the one that I was reading to you earlier.
12: El Demonio en las pantalones cortos. El Stigesse? Pretty close. el Uh
0: I think you're pretty close. I think it's El Stigles. El Stigles. I think that's what it is. I did not know prior to earlier tonight what that translates to in English. <laughs> and I don't know, should we out him? Should we say it?
12: Uh, I don't know. This whole thing was about outing. Do you want to join the drama? Good point.
0: Okay. So yeah, about outing blue demon. I don't know. I would like to research it a little bit more and check the names.
12: In summary, what I'm understanding from being completely uninvolved in this is that there were thoughts that the Blue Demon had accidentally been outed through the movie credits. Correct. However, El Demonio en los Pantalones Cortes is suggesting <laughs> that the person credited for playing Blue Demon is not actually Blue Demon. It's Blue Demon's old tag team partner.
0: Black Shadow.
12: Known as Black Shadow, who had already been outed because he was demasked by El Santo. So the public already knew who Black Shadow was, um, and he was filling in for Blue Demon because Blue Demon was hurt. But then the flip side of that is other people saying on a... let's just call them them (laughs) they are saying that actually they think that the casting lists got swapped and that blue demon was actually in this particular movie because it looks a lot like blue demon but even so then blue demon wasn't outed black shadow was outed but he was already out so he wasn't really outed
0: is that a
12: proper summary
0: (laughs) Well, when you put it like that, it still makes almost absolutely no sense. But does that? No. I mean, to me. I. Yeah, no, I mean, it does make sense. I'm not saying the email or you didn't make sense, but the whole, is it really his name? Did they really screw it up? Did they accidentally out him even though they thought they weren't? Or did they just this weird sequence of events that led to Blue Demon's real name being listed in the credits of this film?
12: But um, was it really his but name? But was it
0: really his name? Or was it Black Shadow's name? And was Black Shadow even in the movie? Or was he in something else? And the cast list got screwed up. Yeah. This sounds like a fascinating YouTube video I should investigate, (laughs) I should do as an investigation. I think it'd be fun to dig into. I need to do some more research about this. I don't know what the answer is. Okay. Like I said in the episode with Jonathan Inbody that I was shocked to see that there was a name listed. Because at least at that point in time, luchadors protected their civilian identity. It was a big deal. Santos' face was only seen once by the public. Uh, He wore that mask everywhere. And it was kind of set up to where it was almost even accidental when he took his mask off on television. Although a lot of people say that he did it on purpose because he knew it was pretty much at the end of his career. Mm. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it it was a big deal. So to have his name come out, kind of a thing.
12: Well, El Demonio and Los Pantalones Cortos has indeed shed some flickering light on the muddy water.
0: (laughs) I love it. I love it. (laughs)
12: Is that El Stigels?
0: El Stiggles, I think, is his his name. Oh. You know what I mean? El oh, Stiggles. so I've been calling him, like... Well, you've been calling him his title, which is fine. It's be like King El Stigles. I've just been calling the... The guy. Which we're not going to translate for people. People just have to figure it out. Although... Which may be difficult because we may not have even pronounced it correctly, but, you know...
12: When I was a child, we played this game on the playground, and the word pantaloons played a big part of it. But I remember nothing except yelling pantaloons. Okay, that's what I think of. Okay, pantaloon. <laughs> Alaskans are weird. Shall we go to a next one? Sure. Hi, Derek hey i wanted to send in some feedback because everyone misses brenda so brenda welcome back here's some feedback (laughs) i look forward to hearing my words in your voice lucha de mayo my oh thank you for the help (laughs) is off to a great start i very much enjoyed the coverage santo and the blue demon versus dracula and the wolfman Frank is a fun guest and knows so much about these movies. The added wrestling info was kind of cool, too. I now know what movies to request our local cool theater, the Carolina Theater, to show. Luchadors and Monsters. Good man. (laughs) The discussion also brought up Empire of Dracula, I believe. The description of this one sounded fantastic, but I can't find much info on it. Perhaps the subject of a future show?
0: Perhaps. Actually, yeah. Why don't you interject? Uh, I don't know much about the film either. I would love to learn more about it, and I think we're going to put that on the schedule for later this year. Okay. Just got to find somebody to talk about it with. Maybe this is your person. I know. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. (laughs) That might be fun. In Vengeance of the Mummy was
12: interesting, and neat that it has a twist, kind of. I would be interested in seeing this one, too. I haven't finished Santo vs. Blue Demon in Atlantis yet, so I will have more to say about it in the last Lucha de Mayo film when I listen to those shows. I am very much enjoying Kenny's segments. I'm reminded every time of discovering famous monsters one summer on Okra Coke Island in a little grocery store there while on vacation. I keep trying to remember to bring my famous monsters down from the attic. That's all for now. Thanks, Brenda, and thank you, Derek, for all you do at MKR and Forest Monster Kids. I hope to see you at Monster Bash someday. Thanks, Brenda. Thank you, Derek, for all that you do at MKR and Forest Monster Kids. I hope to see you at Monster Bash.
0: Hey, I'm going to cut in here real quick because uh, I didn't realize there's a slight audio glitch in the recording just didn't catch it until now while I'm editing. So, uh basically Tom was just saying that's Tom G from the Go Forth and Game podcast. Tom was just saying that he hopes to uh maybe meet me someday at Monster Bash and Tom I'd love to meet you, man. You guys and gals heard his promo for his podcast Go Forth and Game earlier in the show. Okay, I'm going to go back to uh editing feedback. I would love to meet you at Monster Bash, man. I really would. And Empire of Dracula, like I said, uh, I think it's something we should do later this year. And I'll be getting a hold of you. And uh, yeah, if we can make it happen, because you're a podcaster, man, you know how this thing works. I'd love to have you on the show. Let's talk about Empire of Dracula. It'd be fun. Nice. It'd be a lot of fun.
12: And the island is named
0: Okra Coke. Okra Coke. Yep. I did check this pronunciation of that. Failed to prep you before the email, <laughs> but you got it right.
12: Well, I think we got it right. It sounds like Okra and Coke.
0: Pretty much. Pretty much. I think we got it right.
12: So it's this island in a little grocery store where he was on vacation. He found famous monsters.
0: That's so cool. I love hearing stories awesome. about people finding famous monsters uh, that way growing up or whatever. I mean, we didn't have that. I mean, we would have like the big box bookstores, like a Hastings or a Barnes & Noble or whatever. Really? And ba- to get our magazines. Wait, even when you were young? When I was young... Grocery stores, I guess, I suppose, but nothing... I don't... I remember as a kid, my parents would leave me and my brother in the magazine section to look at the magazines or the toys while they shopped. And a lot of times I would just sit there and like read whatever magazine I could find there and just sit on the floor and flip them through magazines. Huh. But it was never anything cool like that. It was always like maybe... I think probably the the more out there type magazines I would have saw would be like Mad Magazine which I don't mm. think my mom was too keen on me looking at. I
12: feel like I had a couple of Mad Magazines when I was a kid. You yeah. fold them in to make another picture. Yeah, that's
0: like the, the yeah. folding thing. Yeah.
12: But we didn't have any big box bookstores in Juneau no. Alaska. We had Heritage Books, which has always been on a corner site, so it's like a an angled store. Sorry corner meaning.
0: Right, corner of a block somewhere.
12: A yeah. Y. No, yeah. a oh. Y shape. Um, so the road goes in a Y, and in that corner oh okay, is heritage books. We have a few of those
0: in Portland, yeah. the downtown area. Yeah.
12: And I remember, you know, it was a tiny shop, but they had kind of like a, a half upstairs, almost like a loft, and a somewhat downstairs, but just down three steps, and there was a plant of sort of Alaska, and how to prepare them and eat them. And I always wanted that book. And it was always so far outside of my resource capacity. My big box store was the library. (laughs) That's how when I was young, I figured out that I had sleep paralysis. I was really young. I don't even remember how I looked it up in the library, but it referred me to a book and I read the book and explained what sleep paralysis was. And I was like, well, that makes sense. And just went on to have logical reactions to sleep paralysis. I mean, it's still freaky, but yeah, yeah. that library was kind of my life. Very cool. And I don't think they had anything like Famous Monsters. I think that oh. was my whole point.
0: Well, and you're younger than I am, but when we were growing up, Famous Monsters wasn't really a thing at that point anymore. When Star Wars came out, it really kind of crushed a lot of the the interest in monsters and everything went to sci-fi. Ah. And famous monsters tried to keep up. They did a lot of Star Wars coverage. And other magazines tried to do that, and when they couldn't get Star Wars stuff, they'd do, like, Star Trek stuff, just to kind of stay in the sci-fi realm. Right. But eventually they all kind of faded away to things like Starlog magazine or the hardcore horror stuff, like Fangoria or Gorezone. That's interesting. like that.
12: We were Star Trek family, mm-hmm. not a Star Wars. As a matter of fact... I'm pretty sure my dad is anti-Star Wars because it was like a space romance opera yeah, it's kind of sci-fi. thing. Right, it's not sci-fi. And not at all. And that's what we were into was the whales that they were saving <laughs> at yeah. the little cash-only theater in Juneau. But I don't remember anything about even that topic being mm. in magazines anywhere.
0: You were in a different market. You are up in Alaska. And, you know, I wasn't in the, the biggest markets either growing up. Military family bouncing around. Mm. I remember when I first started picking up Fangoria and Gore's Own Magazine, it was like a revelation to me. Like, wow, this was so cool. But I was in high school at the time.
12: Ah. Uh, I lived
0: in Cheyenne then. And there was a bookstore downtown called City News. And I believe that's where I got those.
12: So not like a Hastings, like you were saying.
0: Hastings was something you and I had when we lived in Bozeman.
12: So what I remember is being an early teen, like 13, 14, and going to Seattle. It was the first time we left Alaska when I was not a kid, just going to swim in a pool at some, somewhere else. Okay. <laughs> and they had a big bookstore that is still around. In Seattle? No, but not like a Powell's. It was a box store. Was there something that started with a W?
0: So there was Walden Books.
12: Yes. I was completely overwhelmed by the number of books and no real lookup system like at a library. And so just wandering through a big bookstore was a new thing for me. Also, we are very off topic and I am so sorry. And
0: we are such nerds. (laughs) (laughs) And I absolutely love it. Someday I want to own an old card catalog from a library somewhere. I don't know what we'd do with it, but I want it back.
12: We should just catalog all of our stuff.
0: We could, although I am selling a lot of of it, but yeah. We lose track of things, but once we find it, we could just build a card catalog of our stuff. Maybe in the card catalog, I could list where my freaking H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society passport book ended up. Because I find it and then set it somewhere and think, okay, that's where it's going to be next time I need it. And then I forget, and then I start getting stamps to put in it. And I'm like, well, I've got a collection. Way off topic.
12: But then when you find your
0: passport, you can't find your stamps. I know where my stamps are now. And maybe the key is losing the stamps. And then I'll find the passport. There we go. Will you just hide them from me? Maybe that'll kind of trick the system. We are way off topic.
12: Yes, yeah.
0: Way off topic. But
12: yes, we want a card catalog at some point in our life.
0: Great email. <laughs> <laughs>
12: maybe you should cut a bunch of that. We'll see. Okay. Hi, Derek. Hey, hey, hey. After seeing you... What was that? I don't know. But I was rolling with
0: it. Yeah, let's roll with it.
12: After seeing you at your table at Monster Bash last June and seeing Ron Adams present you the fory congratulations by the way Oops. I thought I'd better check into this show I was delighted and have been a faithful listener ever since and occasionally digging up and enjoying some older episodes you do an amazing job and were well deserving of the Forey. yay I've been a monster kid ever since I saw Frankenstein on my regional shock theater show Which was called Nightmare Theater, broadcast from Roanoke, Virginia. Nice. Which, of all places. That's awesome, though. (laughs) My interest really exploded when I bought the original Aurora Frankenstein model kit and bought my first issue of Famous Monsters of Filmland, which was number 24, both of which I still have. Like you, I'm a huge fan of film scores. My all-time favorite composer is, by far, Bernard Herrmann. My CD collection is 95% film scores.
0: My man. So cool.
12: My friend Debbie Painter and I have written articles for Scary Monsters magazine, covering The Bash for over 10 years, and I mentioned you and Monster Kid Radio in the last one, published in Scary Monsters number 111.
0: Thanks, man. I haven't read that issue yet. I've got it, but I haven't read it yet.
12: I've been to every bash since 2003. Wow. I look forward to meeting you in person at this year's Monster Bash. By the way, the late German? German?
0: Uh, well, it's, it's Spanish. How would you say it in Spanish? Not like that. <laughs> Herman Robles, I believe. Herman Robles? Yeah, but
12: that's, I don't know. I'm just going to stick with Jermon Robles, who was mentioned at the end of your latest podcast, number 419, was a guest at Monster Bash in 2007 when he was 78 years old. When he came on stage, he was greeted by the audience who were all wearing a set of white plastic vampire fangs. He was visibly moved by the appreciation of his fans. Mike R. Oh, that sounds amazing. That
0: is so cool. Yeah. That is so cool. Dude. Stop by the table. Say, hey, I want to meet you. Yeah. I, I want to meet everybody. You should do a,
12: a little interview or something.
0: Yeah. If you want to stop by the table, if you want to hang out, if you want to play a round of the Classic Five. I'll Will you be eyes. doing that this year? Yeah, I think so. Well, I'll have the cards for me, at least. I'm not sure if I'm bringing the decks to say, hmm. but we'll see. That's one of the things that I have to do because <laughs> I'm freaking out.
12: We have the box of them. We brought it home.
0: Got to take inventory.
12: So you should ask your people who are listening whether or not you should bring more sets
0: to sell. I don't have any new sets created. It's, it's just the same have. ones that didn't sell. Right. Basically, yeah. But that's cool, man. I'm, I'm glad you discovered the show. Big thanks to Ron for making that happen. You know, ultimately, you know, he got me there and it's very cool. And
12: I love that getting the forey led to somebody discovering the show.
0: The foray means a lot. Uh, is always going to mean a lot to me. And actually, I was going through some old SD cards because I need to Start getting ready for the bash, and I want to have fresh SD cards. Those are the cards I put in my recorder and my camera. And I have all the footage from last year's Monster Bash that I've done nothing with. So if I can get on top of everything, I'd like to get at least the forie Award stuff put together and out on YouTube. Just so people can see it, and people, I want people to know how much I appreciate it. Yeah. Because that's really what a lot of it is. It's me kind of gushing in my hotel room that night, talking about how amazing it is, and not really knowing what to say, and and all that. So you know, it's just it's it's awesome.
12: And I don't know if you want to include this enough, but part of this is you're uncomfortable with how you look.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Why not? I'm I'm very overweight. And my goal was to lose more weight between last year's batch and this year's batch. And I started to lose some weight and then I stopped. And then I started hurting and my feet are a huge issue right now. Um, I have completely blown out arches and being overweight and everything. Just lots of pain and stress and tendon issues. So it's hard for me to walk. Sometimes. Um, so you do walk. Is that part of what makes you uncomfortable with the footage? The Of my size? Yeah.
12: Not just your size, but how you walk?
0: Not with the how I walk, because um, I've got a mean strut, which is fine. A <laughs> mean strut. I don't know. <laughs> but since then, my feet have really been bothering me. So I, I kind of gimp around a lot now, which is... Oh, man.
12: But also financially... It's ridiculous, but we haven't been able to afford you a new pair of jeans because you're so tall that you have to have them hemmed, big and tall, and it's a nightmare and expensive.
0: Yeah, money has been a thing, and uh, we can talk about that. You want to talk about that now? If you want. Okay. So, uh, people know that I've been trying to unload a lot of things on eBay. Uh, I've been really concerned about having enough money for the Monster Bash, and I know it's not any listeners or anybody else's responsibility To pay for my way there. I know this. If I want to go to Monster Bash, I need to make it happen. And I get it. But we were really freaking out about the hotel room in particular. So Brenda and I, and I mentioned this last week when I announced it, Brenda and I decided let's start a GoFundMe campaign, see if we can raise enough funds for it. Because I had a little bit set aside from a generous donation from somebody else already. Right. Uh, The GoFundMe campaign did bring enough money in. For the hotel rooms.
12: And you don't have to live off of oatmeal.
0: (laughs) And and food. Yes. Which is awesome. Although Dan Day Jr. did say he'd pay for one of my meals, so I'm going to hold him to it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I think Christopher Page said he can buy me a Diet Mountain Dew. I'm going to hold you to that, too. (laughs) I have it. I'll print out the Facebook messages. Uh, (laughs) Dan just said he was going to charge it to Josh Kennedy anyway. Oh. (laughs) Anyway, I just... There's a lot of stuff going on with me. Um, mental health, self-image, money, all this stuff just kind of has been a big weird thing for me this past year. And it's kind of been building for years, I suppose. But
12: Well, right. But it sort of came to a head when you lost your job, misunderstood how the unemployment
0: would go. Yeah. But yeah, people have been reaching out and supported me with the GoFundMe campaign. It's amazing. Uh, Brendan and I also spoke once we hit the goal about maybe increasing the goal a little bit. Uh, and we did. And then met that too, which is great. Thank you so much. That happened wow. today.
12: Wow. Wait,
0: what did you increase it for? So I'm assuming you're asking to prompt the conversation because this was also partly your idea. Well, <laughs> also because I have a really bad memory. Okay, okay. I don't really remember. <laughs> when we put this whole thing together... I was trying to be responsible and grown up and honest with everybody in that there's a good chance I won't be making the bash next year. Oh, yeah. It costs easily $1,000 to get me there and pay for everything. More,
12: right? Because there's the plane tickets and then there's the hotel.
0: Yeah. I mean, easily it's that much, if not more. And that money is hard to come by when you're not working regularly. Right. So I was just trying to say, you know, chances are not going to make it next year unless something phenomenal or fantastic happens. So we increased the, the GoFundMe goal a little bit because if we are going to bring in any extra money, well, what if we do set that aside for next year's bash? And maybe I do go to next year's bash. So that's what we were doing.
12: I think I'm a little confused because you only
0: increased it to 800 So well, what is that
12: to $200 gre- towards I,
0: next year? I didn't want to look greedy. So tell you what, we are not going to increase the goal. It's at 800 right now, and we've reached that. Okay. Yeah, so that's where we're at. That's what's going on with the GoFundMe campaign. I can't tell you how thankful I am and how amazing it is. And You lucked out. You know, I've really lucked out. It's things like the success of the GoFundMe that that really point out to me just how amazing everybody is in the Monster Kid Radio community.
12: Right, and that they support
0: you. Yeah. It's Which, incredible. I, I need to know, and I need to accept, and I thank you so much. We have one more email. You want to knock that one out? This one comes from the future. Sure. Well, when he sent it, it came from the future. But, but it's now been it's in my the email. past.
12: Yeah. <laughs> this is Alistair.
0: Mm-hmm. This is Al.
12: Hi, Derek and Brenda. Hey. I'm really in... Hey, you can say hi now, too. He said hi to oh, you, too. Yeah. Hi. I guess I'm allowed. <laughs> 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 I'm really enjoying Lucha de Mayo, Mayo... <laughs> I think about it too much and then I get it wrong That's exactly what happens to me I'm really enjoying Lucha de Mayo
0: That's right Okay, okay.
12: <laughs> Which I have to admit is something of a surprise to me You see, in my part of the world Mexican wrestling probably has as much recognition and relevance as I don't know Sheepdog trials might have for you And yes, that's a thing <laughs> 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 it's Awesome, sounds awesome But, as ever, it's the format of your show, the amazing guests, the fascinating segments, and your undying enthusiasm for all things monstrous, which brings me back every week. I don't really care what the topic might be. I learned so much. My imagination is ignited, and I'm never disappointed. And speaking of month long celebrations, I'm already looking forward to Dan Sember this year. I recently caught the Norless tapes and enjoyed it a lot. Genuine tension, sweet 70s music, and Angie Dickinson and Vonetta McGee.
0: Oh yeah.
12: <laughs> Ultimately, it's a little like Kolchak from a parallel universe. <laughs> but what could ever be wrong with that? Absolutely nothing. This talk of paranormal investigators leads me to Mark Temple. Mm. Look at me. I'm segueing like a rock star. You do have to do it. That's right. <laughs> Firstly, huge congratulations, Derek. I'm thrilled to see that maelstrom of ideas you no doubt carry around in your head, starting to make it to print for others to enjoy. My own copy is yet to arrive on these distant shores, but I can't wait. In the meantime, have you considered a short expert... A short excerpt reading on MKR.
0: <laughs> a short expert? I don't know any short experts, man. I, I mean. Yes, you. you well, I guess comparatively, I am six four. Everybody else is short, so I. Well, just not have everybody, expert, but so. yeah.
12: Have you considered a short excerpt reading on MKR, either yourself or the mellow, mellifluous tones of Brenda, would be perfect. I did offer. Uh huh. To do this, to read the whole thing. Um. Oh, let's finish email. And I'll close out by informing you that you have an octogenarian listener. No, not me. My dad <laughs> My dad found and listened to the episode we recorded together last year. And as a result, actually wants to watch Dracula AD 1972 with me. Yeah. That is an outcome just made of win. Although I'm curious to see what he'll make of stone ground. Oh, All the very best to you, Brenda and Kitties. It makes me a little sad to see you having to part with some of your prized possessions on eBay, but at least they'll be going to good Monster Kid homes. And as you say, it means you won't have to sleep in a corridor, or maybe a crate lined in the soil of your native land, at Monster Bash. Fondest farewells from the future.
0: Al. Al's awesome. He is. Al, Al, Al well, was, everybody's yeah, yeah. Al awesome. Yeah. was. Well, I want to talk about Al's book real quick. I know. If you don't have InfoGothic yet, you really, man, you're it's missing It's beautiful. Out. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous book. There will be a link in the show notes to pick up your own copy. Uh, you can get it here in the States uh, or in New Zealand through Taylor's Publishing. Al was on the show to talk about Dracula AD 1972, which is a favorite of mine. And he and I, at one point, we were going to do the next one right away, Satanic Rites of Dracula, but life gets in the way. I did just communicate with him yesterday. And uh, after Bash, he and I are going to meet up online and we're going to talk about the Satanic Rites of Dracula, which is the follow-up to Dracula 1972 AD. And I love it. And maybe at that point you can tell me, Al, whether or not your father dug the movie. Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear. I'd love yeah. to hear. Because I love those movies. I and mean, it Bashedly unabashedly unabashedly i have no guilt about it whatsoever i love them okay so the mark temple stuff mm. i considered it and we may still do it at least one of the stories perhaps right it's just a matter of finding the time uh and well a time when you're feeling okay about sitting in front of the microphone and doing it mm. so what well, we'll see I wouldn't mind doing something audio-wise for the Mark Temple stuff. Okay. And there are more Mark Temple stories in the works, and I hope by now he got his book. Yes. (laughs) I really hope by now he got his book. Maybe he could pick what story he wants. (laughs) Well, you know, I I do plan on starting a Monster Kid Radio listener poll. Just I haven't done one of these in a while, just to kind of check in and see what people think about certain things. I'll include some stuff about the Mark Temple stories. Okay. Uh, Listeners, thank you so much for allowing me to play my promo for that book. Every week. (laughs) I'm very proud of the book. And I kind of dig the promo too. Yeah. Big thanks to Ruby and Mark from the Mimiverse for doing that. Do you still have the phone number? Yes, I do. But we never figured out how to put a custom voicemail on it. Oh. Haven't given up, but...
12: Didn't I record that?
0: You did. But you didn't figure out how to... Okay. So the cover of the book, Monster Hunter for Hire, the first volume of the Supernatural Solutions stories is uh, a classified ad that Mark Temple has placed advertising his services as an exterminator of the supernatural. And there's a phone number on there that is a legitimate phone number. It's a Google voicemail, and I'm still trying to figure out how to put the outgoing voicemail on it that I want, but if you call, you can leave a message for Mark Temple, and he'll call you back and give you his rates. He'll call you back? Maybe not, but, you know.
12: This is part of the plan I was not aware of. (laughs)
0: Oh, and the eBay stuff, man. You know, part of it is making money to be able to have the bash and all that. But part of it's also too. I have way too much stuff, mm. and it's just kind of time to start downsizing some things.
12: Yeah, I mean, there is so much stuff.
0: Some of these things do not bring me as much joy anymore. To quote, sparking monster joy. Sparking monster joy. That should be a book. <laughs> Add that to the maelstrom of stuff in my head. Okay. <laughs> oh, no, seriously. This is Frankenstein's monster powered by electricity, sparking the... Oh, I, Oh, this is the whole thing. Yes.
12: Oh, oh no. brilliant. The whole sparking joy might be trademarked or something.
0: Nah. It's a parody. Protected.
12: <laughs> You're just going to rewrite a whole Marie Kondo book as... As Frankenstein. As a monster version?
0: <laughs> Too much stuff. Bad joy good <laughs> <laughs> i probably just blow out the microphone with that look at your hand does it
12: bring you joy <laughs> look at your hand if not just unsew it and put a different one on
0: <laughs> i love it so and that's the last email thank you so much to everybody for your patience for letting me uh stockpile these and mm. and uh yeah getting them yeah
12: words are you too warm we turned the AC off for this, and I feel like your brain is melting.
0: Yeah, and well, you're the one fanning yourself with whatever you can find on my desk. I Julie mean, Adams' picture. What? This one. You put that down. I sleep with that.
12: <laughs> well, it's looking very good for
0: you sleeping with it. I treat her right. Wow! It's time to wrap up the feedback yeah. section and kick my wife off the show. So, Brenda, thank you so much for being involved in the feedback. Thanks for having me. If you want to, email the show, monsterkidradio at gmail.com, and I'll go over that here in a second while I wrap up the show on the outro. Do you have any final thoughts before we move on? I love you. Are you saying that to me, or?
12: You, but yes, I guess everybody.
0: Just general love for everybody? General
12: love. I'm feeling general love. Do
0: they all spark joy?
12: Yes. I can't think of any of them that I would, like, hold and sit with and think for a minute and then be like, nope, you gotta go. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all spark joy.
8: I am Dr. Lee Cushing. Welcome to my Chamber of Horrors.
12: Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors is a serialized monster rally novel in the tradition of the classic Universal and Hammer horror films. It's written by Steven D. Sullivan, the award-winning author of White Zombie, Daikaiju Attack, Manos the Hands of Fate, and the original chill role-playing game.
10: My goal is to recreate the thrills of the monster versus monster films that we all love. We'll have vampires, werewolves, mummies, psychic twins, and scheming madmen. And that's just in the first storyline.
12: Now you can get Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors and other monster stories sent directly to your email for as little as a dollar a month. For just $2, you'll get all the chapters in advance, plus bonus stories and other perks. Sign up now at CushingHorrors.com or visit SDSullivan.com for a Patreon link.
3: I do hope you've enjoyed your visit. Please, come again.
9: And remember, the Chamber is always waiting for its next victim.
2: Happy Earth's Core. You will see the Mosops, whose fiery breath withers trees and plants. The vicious Mayhars, bird women who feed on human flesh. The giant Boz, lizard-like behemoths with poison fangs. See creatures beyond your wildest nightmares in Edgar Weiss Burroughs at the Earth's Core. From American International Pictures, rated PG, parental guidance suggested.
5: What is it?
1: No. Ejected from unexplored secret stratus, this giant, harder than steel piston, disgorges strange creatures, inundating our world, twisting the emotions of women, distorting our men. This is a piece we got off the mare. Reflex action like a snake. Cut a snake in half, and the two pieces go off in different directions. Things take over a man's mind? He becomes a a robot? A machine taking orders? Join the hunt for the hiding place of terror. Find the breeding place of these globs of destruction. In feeding the mouth parts, rupture the
3: cells. Convey the food to the stomach by a
6: a pumping action.
3: (coughs) (coughs) (coughs)
1: An adventure that'll burst your blood vessels with suspense. See the Brain Eaters.
0: All right, that's it. That brings us to the end of this episode of Monster Kid Radio. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. And like I said earlier, if you have any feedback for the show, send it in. Monster Kid Radio. At gmail.com, or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 503 479 5657. That's 503 479 5MKR. This information is all available on our website at monsterkidradio.net, where you can find links to everything that we've talked about here on the show. And there are links that will take you to Amazon to make it easier for you to pick up some of the things we're talked about in this episode of Monster Kid Radio, like my book, Monster Hunter for Hire. Or, you know what? Let's leave the link up for the Mexican Masked Wrestler Movie and Monster Filmography book that we referenced so much during Lucha de Mayo last month. And the EC Archives book that Professor Frenzy references for his Bedtime Stories segment. There are links at our website that'll take you to our Twitter account and our Facebook page and our Facebook group, the Tee Public store that I mentioned earlier. Everything's there. Everything you could possibly need to know about Monster Kid Radio, you're going to find at our website. Up to and including a mention of what's coming up next week. But, uh, you know, between you and me, I'm going to go ahead and spoil it for you. You're going to be one of the cool kids to so know before anybody else. Next week, Stephen D. Sullivan will be on the show. He and I are going to announce the nominees for the 1935, 45, and 55 Monster Rally Retro Awards, or as we call them, the rallies. We'll be announcing the nominees for those three decades in the categories of best actor, actress, director, movie, and then, of course, what we really care about here on the show, best Monster. So come back in seven ish days for that. Between now and then, of course, you're probably going to hear an episode in which Steve Turek and I go over the status of the monster movie madness tournament. He and I are going to be getting together early next week to record the results of the ballots that you guys and gals have been filling out by going over to tinyurl.com slash mmmadness2019. We're in the frightful four. What's it going to come down to? What are the two movies that will be facing off for the championship? You're just going to have to stay tuned to Monster Kid Radio to find out. Between now and then, Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC, is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution. Non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Branca from the band Wood Surfers. Now, their album is available at CD Baby. You can get the physical CD or download an MP3 album. Check it out. Head over there. Let them know that Monster Kid Radio sent you. The entire album's great. But I really like this song, Bronca. Go ahead and play us out, guys. My name is Derek M. Cook. Talk to everybody next week. Ciao.